Welcome to the Makom Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast, where we connect students and listeners to what's happening in Israel and give you insight behind the headlines. I am your host, Michael Unterberg, here, as always, with co-host Alan Goldman. How you doing, Alan? Thanks, God, Mike. Hanging in there. Hanging in there. All right. That's not okay, Mike, but it's, uh, I don't know if that's a <laughs> level higher or a level lower. And since our topic today is going to be the general discontent and protest in Israel, I think that's, uh, I think you're, you're, you're in the right mood for today's episode. Uh, would you please introduce our guest? Um, I'd be most honored and happy uh, because it's our, our good friend and colleague who also teaches a, a specialized course in one of our, uh, two of our, for two of our gap year schools, Kalev Bendor, who's also the deputy editor of the Fathom Journal, and our guy that we turn to for politics. Um, and uh, and many other things, but today for politics, I guess. <laughs> How you doing, Kalev? Good, good. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Mike. I was I was actually going to say that you know when someone asks you how you are and you say Baruch Hashem or thank God, there's no way of knowing actually how someone is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I, I every that's week the, I, I think that's the point. It. I think we like avoiding. We're avoiding it. No, but every week Alan answers, "Okay, Mike," and there's a tone. There's a different tone every week, and I've been sort of trying to chart them. You know, it would be great if uh, you know we could make like a cut of them and then do like that. Would be a great episode, actually, analyzing each. Okay, Mike. Next time okay, there's Mike. a Sega. Next time there's a lockdown. That, that's yeah. how you can spend your yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun hobby. Because I don't miss Ben, the, our engineer, at all, and I love editing this every week. Uh, that's so not true. Uh, we miss you, Ben. Uh, but Kalev, you wrote uh, well, the reason we contacted you this time in particular is the 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 piece you wrote in Fathom about what you know what the protests, what the Corona situation, and what the protests and what all of this is showing about really a, a growing problem of uh, in Israeli society. So we wanted to talk to you about what you wrote about and also about, in general, uh, the, what the protests are about and also um, about wh- why there seems to be some political shifting in the polls. So where would you like to start? We just sort of want to push play and let you uh, vent your okay, spleen. We, we, can have a, we can have a bit of back and forth, hopefully. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the article was... It was was based on a lot of thinking that I did over the lockdown that you know we've all just come out of uh, after a month and it was actually based partially on a on an interv- on a podcast interview I heard with with Tim Ferriss and, and Jonathan Sachs uh, who we should say is uh, is unwell at the moment we wish him a, a refreshalema mm-hmm. and the, the irony was that, that Rabbi Sachs was talking about countries that had had a particularly difficult uh, dealing with Corona. And he mentioned the US and the UK, and he said they're particularly individualistic societies. Now, the recording... We versus I. We versus I. Exactly. It was an I society or a we society. And the the interview was done in in August, but I only listened to it during the lockdown. And and it just occurred to me that, you know, what, what a... What's Israel? Are we an I? Are are we a we? We... we, you know, apparently did very well during the first lockdown, but we were the first or second country in the world to go into second lockdown. So are we an I or are we a we? And, and one of the things I suggested was that the good news is we are a we. The bad news is we are several we's. And this is not a particularly <laughs> new uh, idea. Uh, the president, Ruvi Rivlin, I think in 2015, even gave, gave a speech about these four tribes, the, the secular 
the secular tribe, the, the ultra-Orthodox, the national religious, and the, the Israeli Arab tribe. And we all have different uh, platforms, we have different values, we get our news in different places. Many do not interact with other tribes. For me, the most interesting thing is that each tribe genuinely, and maybe even justifiably, sees itself threatened by the others. So Haredim see themselves threatened by everyone else, the Israeli Arabs do, the national religious do, and even what we used to see as a kind of secular majority, who are now no longer a majority, also see themselves as threatened, their values are threatened by the others. And the moment that we are many tribes, and when you add that to kind of what I would say government uh, policy, which has been very ineffective and which has had a, a terrible personal example, there are numerous examples of from the Prime Minister to uh, the head of the Shin Bet, including Rivlin as well, to various ministers who have you know, broken lockdown. And you, know, you, you put the fact that we are a fractured society with terrible personal example and the feeling that the government is, is basing its decisions on, on politics rather than policy. And it's basically a disaster. And I think that's a disaster that, that we are all experiencing and living and many of us are feeling very angry and resentful about. And it's not even a right or left issue, which I think perhaps we'll get onto as well. Mm-hmm. And, and my worry was that you know, when institutions begin to become eroded, so many people would believe the justice system has become eroded in, in many years, I personally would put the fault down to, to kind of Netanyahu and, 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 his, and his corruption scandals, but other people would, would probably put it down to an overly activist Supreme Court. I guess both of those opinions are mm-hmm. uh, uh, accurate. But when you, when, you know... When and those, those in themselves break down the different tribes. Right. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So when, when you take the, all of those things and the erosion of the justice system and the government and many people then begin to lose faith in the police... And I think, you know, to be fair, there's many of the tribes have already lost. They lost faith in the police many years ago. Right. Um, <laughs> we, we, get, we get to a, a frightening place. And so I think, you know, the article was, was trying to, to, to reflect on that. And I think people that move to Israel, you know, we, we, we always remain hopeful of, of things. But it's, uh, we're, we're in a difficult place as a, as a society at the moment. So and it brought you out that, to the and it brought you out to the protests, a couple of protests to see what was right, going on. So, right. So yes, so I, I have. Uh, listen, I, I will be honest. If the protests outside Netanyahu's residence were further than a ten-minute walk from my house, I don't know how many times I would have gone. Um, but yes, I've I've been to the protests. I can report that, um, in contrast to what was coming out of. The Prime Minister's residence, the people are not anarchists, uh, they're certainly not aliens. There's, um, isn't there, there's a lot of different people. Come on, there must have been a few aliens there. Not that I saw. I've seen but enough you know, movies you, you, you to know. You can never tell. You, can, you know, they, they may yeah. have been wearing they human masks. They could shapeshift and then, yeah, exactly. Um, it's, I think there's a few things to say about the protests. And let me put it this way. We had three election cycles where over a million people each time voted on an explicitly anti-Netanyahu platform. The fact that that party Mm -hmm. or part of that party then joined the Netanyahu government doesn't take away from the fact that there clearly are at least 
a million people in the country who do not want Netanyahu to be prime minister. So bearing that so, in mind, it's what, not What's that, a quarter, of, a quarter of voters or higher? Mm, I'm basing it on just blue and white. A million uh, people voted say, for blue and white. How many eligible voters? How many eligible voters are there? That's a very good question. It's between five and six million, I think. Yeah, I think you okay. could you could argue that that before Corona, you could legitimately argue fifty percent of the population wanted Netanyahu to be prime minister, and fifty percent didn't want him to be prime minister. In that right. context, it's not overly difficult to bring out ten, twenty, fifty thousand people to demonstrate mm-hmm. that there were a million people who didn't want him to be. Uh, to be prime minister. So the people who say the demonstration... And that, be, that was their chief voting issue. Yes. In other words, yes. there may be other... Yeah. So the idea that... So people who say the fact that there's demonstrations is not significant in terms of anti-Netanyahu uh, sentiment, I'd say that's actually a fair point. A million people voted three times to get him out. Bringing tens of thousands of people onto the street isn't, doesn't signify something has changed. That, that's the first point. The second point right. is that actually I think something has changed. And originally, I think the protests were based around corruption or alleged corruption and, and, the, and the, the court hearings, etc. But once Corona hit, it took on a different form and it became uh, economic and it became the government's not dealing with Corona and Netanyahu is prioritizing himself over us. And so whereas having tens of thousands of people on the street doesn't necessarily mean that Netanyahu's popularity has declined, I think the fact that Corona has been handled very poorly, in fact, I said in the article that one in four think the government has handled it well, I'm actually surprised it's as high as one in four. I don't know anyone. Maybe I need to expand my social circle. I don't know anyone who thinks the government has handled corona well. I, I think since corona has hit, the protests have expanded to, to, to include a lot of, of different types of people. And I think there is now a fair assessment that they are, uh, they are bothering Netanyahu and his family. I think the fact that we had to go into a complete lockdown in order to primarily, that was the only mm-hmm. legal way to stop demonstrations happening outside Balfour Street is a sign that it was worrying Netanyahu. Ironically, again, all it did was instead of centralizing everyone in one or two places around the country, what banning demonstrations a kilometer from your house meant was that suddenly those two places became hundreds of small demonstrations, which A, the police right. couldn't handle. And actually, I think, in some ways, image-wise, were more problematic for the government. I mean, he, he, the fact that he's addressing it, the fact that he can't ignore it, means that it, it, he's a, it's, it's gotten to him to some degree. Because if it really was meaningless, he would just move on with his day and it wouldn't, he wouldn't address it at all. But it's clearly, in, in what he's saying and doing, it's clearly a factor that's very much on, in, in the front of his mind. Yeah, I mean... I would argue. There... there it's it's difficult to know which media reports to to believe in and which not but but several mm-hmm. reports coming out of the cabinet decisions before lockdown Ronnie Gumzu who's the coronavirus commissioner said it, it was nauseating the discussions whereas 
Because they were so political. Because they were so political. Because he basically, you know, Gamzu was brought in late. Uh, uh, he was not given enough powers and authorities. And then he was ignored. Um, mm-hmm. But the professionals were not recommending for a complete lockdown. Um, yet that's that's where we went. And I think the feeling was, difficult to know how accurate it was, but the feeling was that the country went into lockdown because the government wasn't willing to stand up to one of the tribes, uh, the ultra-Orthodox, who, who lived in a lot of the red cities, the cities that had very high coronavirus uh, cases. And so we, we all suffered because the government wasn't prepared just to lock down some people. And that has a huge mm-hmm. economic and social and emotional cost. And I, I think the government lost a lot of uh, support and trust due to those decisions. So when you combine uh, the the general growing sense that the government's not handling a public health crisis well with the, the obvious... Uh, ugliness of a prime minister under serious indictments in, in, in his professional capacity. I guess I'm sort of surprised that the protests are as small as they are. Do you know what I mean? Like, this isn't a, this is a faction of the country speaking out. It's not a wave of overall dismissal of Netanyahu, is it? Am I reading it wrong? Listen, I'm not a big demonstrator. Um, right. I think often because you know you go and, and there's there's signs there and they're often kind of black and white and if you're a more nuanced person you don't often want to even you know be in that that place. I think you can you can be very upset about what's going on without taking to the street. Um, right. Where this takes us though is is recent polling, which kind of listen. I'm actually I'm I'm a big I'm not a big fan of polling at all. Because mm-hmm. you ask 500 people who they're going to vote for in an election that hasn't even been called and there's a 5% margin of error. And, and to me, it kind of becomes yeah. a little bit irrelevant when we start kind of counting up the numbers. But polling does show that Likud's support has dropped significantly. Um, but Mike, listen, the other thing, you know, a lot of... Yeah, which people, does... which. Which does show a frustration, and which, which is does show whether they will whether they will come back home and vote in, in a, an election. That's a different story. But what it does show us is that there is a frustration that is being expressed with the leadership, much larger yeah. than the yeah. people out in the street. The people in the street are the, yeah. are the head of the spear. That, that there's a whole. Yeah, but I think what's it. interesting about the numbers is you know, I said earlier this is not a right or left thing. I think one of the things Netanyahu has been pretty successful about in the past and listen there's there's a lot of people who make their money out of analysis who have been writing Netanyahu off since at least 2015 if if not longer and and each time they've been wrong I guess one time they'll be right but each time so far they've been wrong we shouldn't um, it's like it's like being a weather uh, forecaster uh, um, focus on it but you know one of Netanyahu's successes has been to to suggest that anyone who's against him is, is part of the left part of the, the, the treacherous right. left, the Arab-loving left. Um, but again, when you look at the polling and you count up Yisrael Beitenu, which is absolutely a right-wing party, and then you count up Yamina, which is absolutely a right-wing party, it's the right of Netanyahu, okay. 
um, kind of a giveaway. The you name, see yeah. that you see that the kind of you know you see the kind of the right left. Well, without going too much into a, a um, down a foxhole, I'm not even sure what what, what left means in Israel anymore. Um, right. mm-hmm. But but again, people who potentially voted for Netanyahu in the past haven't suddenly changed their policies. But perhaps they're beginning to look somewhere other than Likud, and perhaps they're beginning to imagine someone other than Netanyahu was prime minister. Well, you're seeing a rise for uh, for Naftali Bennett, no? In the, among the right-wing discontent with Netanyahu. Yeah, that, that's what the polls so far are suggesting. I think Bennett's advantage... So firstly, he, he, he's a super smart, serious guy. But his mm-hmm. advantage is he's not part of the government. I mean, he was, I mean, he was, mm-hmm. he was turfed out the moment that kind of Netanyahu had, it, had, had 61, that he didn't need Bennett anymore. But Bennett has benefited from not being part of the chaos, right. which is the current unity in, in name, but not really in anything else, government. Um, and, and Bennett has done a, you know, a lot of work and a lot of, of research to, to formulate alternative policies and I mean an interesting topic of conversation which I don't ha- have a good answer about is why Bennett has picked up the support rather than someone like Lapid um, but Bennett has put a lot of time into I think framing himself as a prime ministerial candidate mm-hmm. and when there's so much distrust in, in the government I think your, your kind of classic right-wing voters who perhaps weren't keen on Gans and weren't keen on Lapid and now beginning to see, well, you know, maybe maybe there, there's another alternative. And I, I think that's, again, so, what will happen on election day or once elections even get called or whatever it is, is impossible to know at this stage. But but Bennett has certainly risen in the polls as Netanyahu has has dropped. One of the things I often look at is, you know, you add Likud and Yamina and you see it's not that different to what Likud and Yamina got in the past, it's just the, the Likud supporters moving to another right-wing party. So, I, I mean, I think I mean I have a thought. Again, it's not as a just as like a, a guy who reads the newspapers. But the difference between Lapid and Bennett, um, as I see it, whereas Bennett, because I think they both think see themselves as prime ministerial candidate, whereas whereas um, Lapid to me seems to run much more for the you know populist kind of. Uh, kind of vote right um, anti this anti that trying to cheat right whereas Bennett seems to be focused a lot whether you like it or not he's, he's very much a policy like he tries to present policies and answers to questions whether it be with about what's happening in the West Bank in terms of you know uh, annexing and those things or even with the corona if you remember in the beginning of the coronavirus he was part of the government and he came up with a, a plan of getting out of that first lockdown that was ultimately rejected by Netanyahu. He was all those politics and this and that. But it, 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 it was a solid plan and policy and, and idea. And I think that that's I, I think that that's what people are missing. And, and I think that that's what I, Ben I also, comes off as that kind of character. And well, just my uh, last thing, Mike, sorry, before you go ahead. sit. And I think that that's why we're not seeing a million people out on the street or... Or and as as people are wavering, is that we're in this similar situation that we've been in. Um, there's a lot of frustration with the government, which has been the case over the last year and a half at least. Um, but even the demonstrations, they're not re- all they're saying is we want to get rid of of Bibi, to me anyway. Mm-hmm. 
looking from the outside. You know, so you have this faction says this, and they want changes, but the only thing that really binds them together is that they want to get rid of BB. And that's not real. Again, that's not really a solution. And I'm not saying that. I'm not saying like, oh, we should keep BB because we don't have a solution. I'm saying they're not saying, okay, well, alternative ideas of how to solve the crises multiple crises we're in, which is political crisis, economic crisis, health crisis, all those. There doesn't seem to be anybody really giving a strong thing in terms of that protest movement. And I do think that might be why the protest movement isn't as popular as it could be. And I do think that Lapide's you know, messaging and videos that he puts out are, look at what's wrong with this and look at what's wrong with that. And, and I do think there's a mood of, we get it, everything's wrong. You're just analyzing it more of what's wrong. You're articulating better, more specifics of what's wrong. Thank you. Whereas if you look at what, um, if you look at what Bennett's been putting out, he's been putting out these very sort of avuncular, you know, this helps you avoid uh, COVID and oh, don't forget your mask. Remember that the percentages, these sort of positive policy. And I, I do think that's what people are looking for. And, and, and I want to bring the, this point back around to your to your five tribes point, which I'm not at all disagreeing with. I think you're right. I think that 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 the that the. Well, that there, there he is, said four tribes. A, You're adding a fifth tribe, oh, which is diaspora. Uh-huh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Four tribes. Yeah, I have that. They're also suffering from COVID. In Macomb, no, we talk at Macomb. At Macomb, we talk about the fifth tribe, the, the, those who live in, you know, who who live outside of Israel, because you know, um, that's yeah, part that was of our my, uh, Freudian slip there. Yeah. But but uh, no, but uh, uh, I think that I think that's always an issue that we have to keep our eye on. Although I, I do think there is still a, a sense of collective responsibility, but but I think that overall, there's this sense of, and and I think this is global, the systems that we have in place, are simply not capable of addressing the problem, the twenty, the, the the problems and issues and and concerns and things that need to be fixed in the 21st century. There's this feeling of, uh, okay, so let's say you put Bennett in charge. Do you think he'll? Do you think he'll solve it? Okay, so BB's, there's a cynicism of nobody can do this anymore. That, that's what I fear. That, that, that there's a, uh, I, I think you're correct in localizing, you know, there's a lack of faith in the police as an institution and the judiciary as an institution. But I think there's something even more. I'm, and the dangerous. rabbis, by the way. I was in the rabbis. Oh, there's a lack forget of, it. The in, rabbis in the have shot system. all there. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, and you can do it individually. And they're all and those those analyses are correct, but overall, there's this cynical lack of trust for systems itself, that we live in a world of chaos, and the illusion of systems no longer impresses us anymore. Um, that, I, I, it, you know, it's a little bit like That's well, why do I hate part. Jews? Uh, well, it, I'm it, supposed it, to be the dark pretty one. Dark. I'm supposed to be the dark one. Yeah. <laughs> what can I tell you? Like it, it's like anti-Semitism. Well, if you analyze it in this country, the Jews are wealthy, so they hate. The, well, if you analyze it in this country, they hate Jews for being poor and leeching. In this country, they assimilate. In this country, they're standoffish. And I can I can explain each local anti-Semitism, but at some point, I have to address the phenomenon as a whole. And so and so, I do think there's an erosion, and 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 I think often a well-earned. Uh, distrust and disappointment with elements of the system, with different different factors, but that creates this global sense of, geez, what the hell, man? Like I just, there's just, does anything work? Does anyone know how to do this? And so, and so, part of I think the turn towards 
the mini we's, you know, this the four we's, or or even the eyes is. You, what you need to maintain that strong we that Rabbi Sachs was talking about is this sense of we have a sense of collective organization and structure where at, we at, together can work out what's best. I, I, that's what scares me. I, I would argue that in Israel, the sentiment of the overall collective we is still there for most people. Yes, the media will focus on points that break. That's I, I argue that's journalism's job. When you go to the doctor, the doctor doesn't go, wow, your blood pressure is amazing. Let's talk about your blood pressure for 120 over 80. That's perfect. The doctor says, well, your blood pressure is okay, but let's talk about your cholesterol number, which is bad. Because they're bringing to your attention the issue of concern. That's what journalism does. It informs citizenry of issues of concern. So I always say, yes, the picture that you get in in journalism is is often ignoring. I do think most people do have a have a strong sense of collective we in, in a real crisis you know i don't know rockets we're, from gaza in 2014 you I feel mean, it you feel well, that, I mean, that we're in a crisis now that is more one could argue at least in terms of death a, toll is much worse than rockets is. from gaza i mean we're, we're doubled it's a the weird different Florida, more than yeah. doubled now it's a more yeah we we, we, yeah. we and, in six weeks we have more deaths than we had an intifada right in the six last weeks six we have 1200 in the last six weeks we have 1200 deaths Although we are per capita, I think, if, I, if I'm reading the statistics correctly, we are seventh in the world of cases per capita, but 38th for deaths. In other words, we have managed to keep... We, well, we that, have that managed. reminds me of the Trump thing of, you know, if you, if you don't test, then there's no... If you don't test, you don't find. Uh, testing, we're not doing great, although, uh, yeah, testing, our numbers are not great, but, uh, but our cases are high, which is a very bad sign. Because I, I don't remember what number we are in terms of testing, but if your number, if your cases are high and your testing isn't excellent, then that's an indication that it's proportionally probably higher. No, I think our, just not testing. Oh, no, I think our testing is high also. Is it? It is high now. I think so. No, Mike. I, it's, I know. Just recently, it popped up. It, it's bumped up. I know. Even here where I live, they, the city is now yeah. offering free testing as um, you know, just to see who has it. So that's really new. So that's that's a really good sign. Then Mike, um, Mike, your I, point that, about. I, Sorry, you're, you're. Yeah, go ahead. It was a very. Is it, I mean, it's quite depressing. It's, it's a very macro point of kind of global. Yeah. How and and I think I think you're right. I think you're right. But you know, focusing on specific things. You know, the 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 the, the citizens of New Zealand and the citizens of Germany and the yeah. citizens of would 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 say, okay, yeah, we. You know, I don't know how to deal with how globalization has eroded. Kind of cultural, you know, all of that stuff is very true. But if we had a prime minister, again, completely personal opinion, uh, if we had a prime minister who we felt was prioritizing the fight against Corona, and we had mm-hmm. politicians who would keep to the rules, um, mm-hmm. and we had a coronavirus commissioner who was yeah. given powers yeah. to implement policy um mm-hmm. i i genuinely think that that citizens would we wouldn't cure corona and we wouldn't cure the structural aspects that that uh, affect us in israel and in other we, we wouldn't solve those things but we would be in a significantly better place a significantly better place yeah. um right so yeah, well, I think the, mac- the macro examples. point is correct uh, and, and it's not way, solvable would, yeah. on even, a specific I would even push it further thing, I would even push it further, Kalev, and say that if 
you had the the not just the medical experts but dealing together talking with the with the economic experts with the educational Public experts yeah. meaning what you see off at least what we see in the news and I don't know what's happened I know on the bottom line I'm sure it's much more people working together but what you see in the news is that this minister is fighting for a change because of the economic policy and this one is because of education in other words as opposed to working together on uh, on a cross societal uh, issue I don't know that's just what I see maybe it's too maybe it's a too superficial look at it but that's just how it feels when no. they make when they make when they say oh, okay we're opening schools now because they're getting so much pressure from people as opposed to um, really strategy to a constituency which right. which goes to I mean parents is a pretty broad yeah it crosses the four tribes yeah but but like like take Khalev's point wouldn't wouldn't Netanyahu be super popular if he was waging the kind of war against COVID that South Korea or New Zealand or Germany was and having that level of success. Or but China. I mean, we can't, I mean, as bad as whatever you say yeah. about China, they've also, China's opened up. Yeah. China yeah. has yeah, special yeah, ways plenty of, of doing examples. things that I don't think would, would uh, quite, yeah, yeah. Uh, quite work here. No, but, no, but saying, you, you have But, the, but you have a government that's making yeah. a, a policy. You know what I'm saying? You make yeah. governments that's making a, a policy. That's so a, why doesn't he? Just out of his own self-interest, why doesn't he then destroy Corona so that he could be super popular? Because he can't afford to. Because to hold, he has to hold the Haredim. And since we have to base policy around them, otherwise he loses his coalition. He has to look for. He has to make sure that his base is solid, and so he can't grow to overall popularity. That seems to be also part of the political zeitgeist of today of you make sure you it's it's politics of maintaining your base rather than the politics of broad approval no yeah which is sort of goes that's, that's it's just sort of a piece of Kalev's argument that it's the four tribes fighting each other instead of creating a better collective good yeah and i, I mean i agree with what Kalev said earlier about the long-term ramifications for this in terms of society are very are very um worrying that we have to be careful about. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of tension between especially with certainly the Haredi, you know, ultra orthodox sector. Um, so how e- we f- even how we- from the even from the religious non ultra orthodox sector, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of negative press, there's a lot of um, you know, bad, you know, I just and certain WhatsApps, let's say, even, you know, how people are speaking. Um, by the, by the that way are we, worrying. Trying- I think people are friendly, more friendly towards these even are. When we look ahead, which is always dangerous, and try and predict what the next election issues might be, so clearly one will be mm-hmm. Netanyahu and, and, the, and the corruption scandals and whatever. I think one of them will be will, will be the ultra orthodox will be front and center of of the next election cycle, and and potentially the the, the politicians who are um, the more brutal against the ultra orthodox, the more popular they may be. Right. I mean, that just exasperates the last cycle that was, you know, that Lieberman and Lapid were trying to put them at front and center. That, yeah, that didn't work, but the the, the, the dynamics may change. Yeah. Any any thoughts? Not to, again, I don't think this is the kind of problem that you solve when you're talking about a broad cultural problem that Kalev is describing. I don't think we talk about solving it. But anything as individuals or as groups that we can do to ameliorate or to push that sense of collective belonging to 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 bring restore health to that i mean the 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 other thing in the article was that having said all all of the things that i kind of ranted about the majority of people do keep to the regulations 
I mean, we've mm-hmm. got we've got friends in England where you know, masks are optional. Okay. Yeah. I mm-hmm. since March, I've not been into a store where there's anyone without a mask. So sometimes you see on the street people with masks around their uh, around their wrists or around their uh, mouths, mm-hmm. but inside, everyone wears a mask. And then I, you know, yeah. there are there are huge problems here, but overall, a large, I'd say the absolute majority of the public are more or less keeping to the rules. I, I think that's it, uh, which means that there, which means that the big explosion of cases up until recently, thank God, they seem to be plummeting now. But that big was happening in like individual homes and smaller. Well, that's that's the eighty twenty. I mean, whenever I read an article about them. COVID, I always get more confused than when I started. But there there, there, are, yeah. there are several theories that you know eighty percent of the cases are are connected to only twenty percent of of the situations, and they're super spreading events. Mm. And and you know, I, I think that there is enough we within Israel. Um, mm-hmm. I think we 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 rely on, but we you know we look look to leadership to uh, that's what leadership is about. It's about creating social cohesion and strengthening people's trust in institutions and and in ourselves, and that's been lacking. But I, I don't think it's it's. Well, I hope it's not gone for good. I think that there's enough things that, that unite us as, as a society that it can be brought back. It's just at the moment it's a, it's a difficult time. So I, I have I I think and maybe this is me as the you, you know you said earlier Kalev like oh people who you know immigrants to Israel are you know endlessly optimistic and always hopeful and, and maybe and maybe we're you know look at the world through rosy colored glasses I, I would argue that there's a value to the norm of at least in language always emphasizing the we even if you're complaining about a particular issue in a particular tribe or whatever issue you're addressing. Always, always articulate in conversation the importance of the we. And if we all do that, I, 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 I think it affects how we think. It's a little bit like, you know, how religious people say, thank God for this and thank God for that. And it becomes a little bit of a, of a, uh, almost a tick, a verbal tick. And people say, well, you know, you don't really mean it. But I, I actually think you do. It does elevate your consciousness to a certain degree. And so I think in the way we talk, we have to... I think self-regulate and, and, and expect that from others. And when somebody says something that we think is an erosion of the sense of we, I, I think it's worth articulating a defense of the we. I, I, at least that's all I can think to do to, because, because with a, united we stand, divided we fall. It's that, it's that simple. So I, I'm going to go a little bit a uh, different way. Um, of a, a more of a, maybe a, sort of questioning oneself and a little bit self-introspection. Um, mm. And it's a, a time of, of immense insecurity for all of us. It's mm-hmm. a time of great pain. Lots of people are experiencing loss, you know, um, from family loss, you know, relatives who are, who are friends who are, who are dying and economic loss and loss of also just um, meaning in life a lot of times, you know, when you're just sitting at home without things that give you meaning, Stability, whether Stability, predictability, order. Or, or again, religious yeah. meaning, social meaning, yeah. all those things yeah. that we're losing. And that that has created a, a very difficult time for us as individuals, not only as a society, but as, as for individuals. And it is a natural human tendency to find, okay, so where where can I, like, who's, who's responsible for this? Where can I blame? And often 
you know, we look at other groups or other people and say, oh, they're to blame. Um, and that can be a very dangerous place for society. And I think that before we do that on a personal individual level, we say, why, why is that? Like a question, why is that group bothering me? You know what I mean? Why, why, am, I, why am I going there? And is, is that something real? Or as Kalev pointed out, look, most people are following, even within all, you yep. know, the ultra-Orthodox world, the, the, the secular, all these different tribes. Most people are following. So before I sort of co- uh, I come to that conclusion of that, why am I lashing out, I would say? Sometimes it's a real lash mm. out against this group. Um, and maybe it should not, you know, that just question oneself um, before that. And and that brings me to the we. Wait, we're all in this same, you know, pot of chicken together, right? We are all in the same pot of chicken. There's no, that that's the thing about Corona, which is the crazy thing, right? The crazy thing is that it doesn't, it doesn't distinguish between. It's not like rockets from Gaza that are on the, you know, on the the envelope around Gaza, or you know, it's 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 worldwide. Um, so that that would be my I suggestion. Know, I, don't know I, I I think everything you said is meaningful and moving. A I just don't like the pot of chicken metaphor. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to be a pot of chicken with anybody. Or it's all boiling, man. We're all boiling. That's why I was just <laughs> well, thinking. I, I was thinking I, you know boiled what? chicken. Well, I was thinking about boiled chicken. It gets put into. <laughs> I don't want to be the frog. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I, I actually I always think of it as we're all in a lifeboat. That there's this, you know, we're a sea in in a boat. And if I in my fight I decide to drill a hole under the other person in the lifeboat because I want him to be punished, yeah. I'm just sinking myself. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but uh, but your point about self awareness, you know, I I think I think uh, I think we're we're mainly supposed to be critical of ourselves in our own group and and right. mostly looking for the positive in others. Because that fights that, and, and no. because there is a tendency to do the reverse, so I think I I, I, I take what you're saying uh, very seriously. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's as optimistic as we get these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like, don't drive when drunk. Like, I don't know if we should podcast while depressed, but like, <laughs> it is what it is. Like, yeah. that's the scenario. But 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 I think. Again, we, the reason we wanted to talk to you, Kalev, is I, I think you articulated these concerns in a very uh, sharp and insightful way, without, but but in a way that didn't make me <laughs> despair. You should have like seen the original you know, but, unedited version, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you, but you know what? Your editing it then is exactly what Alan's saying. Like you're yeah. you're, you're you're reframing it so that it's putting something positive into the world with you know it's described it's diagnosing certain problems but it's talking about you know it gives it gives us areas to think about how to make things well, it goes better. back to your your doctor's uh, analogy if your doctor says okay you've got cholesterol your your blood pressure's high but your cholesterol's done you're 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 done in a week forget it get out of here i don't even want to see it so then right. you know the doctor's going to so help then you I give up right yeah. Help you, how are you going to... That's a bad doctor, too. You know... You, you, right, if the doctor says, look, your blood pressure is great, good for you, and, you know, oh, and you, you, you took off some weight, but let's now work on the cholesterol. Yeah. So I, th- I thought that, that as, a, as, a, as a thinker and an analyst, I think you did uh, yeoman's work there in uh, helping us, not, not, by, not by hiding from the problems, but by, by you know, it was a mature assessment of what we need to work on together. So thank you. Yeah. Great, thank you. And thanks for your time today. Uh, Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Mike. Bye-bye.